I am not an expert. I've never published a book or taught a class, but I love quilting and I love talking about quilting. I make a lot of mistakes, but I like to think that sometimes I learn from them and get just a little bit better. If hearing about someone else's goofs and mess-ups makes you feel better about yours, then I've done my job. So join me now as we talk about quilting for the rest of us. Hey, I'm Sandy and I'm a quilter and welcome to episode 200 in which we turn 200. And I'm recording this on Sunday, June 26, 2016. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you for hanging in there, even though, once again, I took a few weeks break. Um, it got a little bit busy in there. Not like super work busy, travel busy, but I ended up with stuff going on just about every weekend. It was all nice stuff. It was all kind of relaxing stuff, but it kept me away from podcasting. It did not, however, keep me away from sewing. So I've got some stuff I can actually talk about, which is very exciting. In any case, I do want to say, I know I missed my sixth podcast anniversary and doing a giveaway at that point, but I decided, hey, 200 episodes is kind of a big deal too. So I'm going to do a giveaway now. And I have a collection of fat quarters. I will post the pictures on the show notes to this podcast episode. And in order to enter the giveaway, leave a comment on this podcast episode about something that you would love to do 200 times. How's that sound? for a question. What is something you would love to do 200 times? Leave a comment on the episode to get entered into the giveaway, and I will run this until July 11th. I'll give you a couple of weeks. I can't go longer than that because then I skip town again and things get really chaotic the rest of the summer. So this is kind of my last chance to do something like this. Um, and I'm really looking forward to hear about what you want to do 200 times. Keep it clean. Um, so, Sandy update. Um, again, it's been a few weeks. I think the last time I posted was probably a little bit before Memorial Day. Um, I did go on vacation with my husband in there. It was a really wonderful vacation, incredibly relaxing. Um, my husband was actually between jobs. He had uh, he had a job lined up. He knew where he was going to go, but he had given himself a few weeks in between his former job and his new job so that he could kind of regroup. Um, it really stressful stuff going on. So he just needed kind of that, that transition time. And so this was the first time in years that we have been on a vacation that there weren't conference calls in the middle of it and work emails and stress and all of that kind of stuff. I mean, he was always very good about trying to keep all of that to a minimum and, you know, we would kind of, if there was a vacation where there was a lot of stuff going on, we would sort of designate certain times a day that he would do that and I would go off and do my own thing. But, you know, he really tried to keep it from invading as much as possible. But it was, it was just always there in the background. And this was the first time that he didn't have any of that going on. I didn't have any of that going on. We could just vacate. And it was really, really wonderful. I talked to him at one point about how do we get us more of this? How do, how do we make sure that we can have this experience again? Um, we went to Stratford, Ontario, as we have now gotten in the habit the last few years of doing that over Memorial Day weekend. Um, but usually we just go for the weekend here in the United States. Memorial Day weekend is usually towards the end of May, um, either the last weekend of May or the weekend before the last weekend of May. And it, it is a long weekend. We usually have that Monday off. So we've taken to go to Stratford, on, um, Stratford Ontario and the Shakespeare Festival and um, take in a couple of plays there. And then, like I said, usually we just come back home. It's just a long weekend for us. But this year we added on oh, the week following and we went from Stratford then to Toronto and spent the week in Toronto. And it's been a while since we've been to Toronto. Um, and the first time in a long time that we've been there without kids. The last couple of times we went, both times were kid-oriented vacations. And so this one was nice because we just got to go to nice restaurants and we went to a show and we wandered around to our heart's content um, instead of going to the zoo, which is a wonderful zoo and doing kid-oriented stuff. It was, we miss our kids certainly, but it was also kind of nice doing the adult <laughs> vacation. And we do do a lot of walking on vacation. So I was having no problems nailing my step goals um, and in fact, blowing the doors off of them every day. Um, 
But because I had been working out so much ahead of time, I actually had a fair amount of energy that I haven't always had on vacations. And it was really nice being able to walk all day long and not be fried by the time I got back to the hotel and being up the next day and feeling ready for things to go. So it was just a nice vacation in all. Um, now, during the trip, I kept thinking I needed a better touristy purse. What, I, what I've been doing for years, I have a purse and a wallet that I bought at the same time that don't really match, but they coordinate. And the wallet can convert to a clutch bag. And so I would just take both of these, you know, I would carry the purse and have the wallet in it. And then I would just switch out the strap from the purse to the wallet. And I could lengthen the, the strap so that it was then a crossbody thing. So all I was doing was carrying around essentially my wallet. And the wallet was just big enough that if I unloaded like, you know, all those stacks of reward cards that you tend to start carrying, um, then I could fit chapstick in there and a pair of reading glasses because, you know, I'm old. <laughs> and um, I would just clip my sunglasses on the on the handle and carry those around, you know, so it was workable. Um, but it did mean like if we went shopping or anything, I, I didn't have any spare room at all. And there's some real benefit to that, um, that when my husband would try to hand me his glasses, for example, if we're going to a show, I, well, I'm sorry, hon, can't carry him. But, you know, that there are times when you want a little more space, um, but I don't like carrying a shoulder bag. I really want the crossbody. It's just much more comfortable. So while we were on vacation, I kept thinking, wow, I really need a better touristy purse. I guess I should just make myself one, you know, and, and thinking through, I've been doing all these bags. I should just make myself a good travel one. Um, but then we went into this boutique just to kind of poke around and I picked up this one purse and my husband looked at it and said, oh, I really like that. Now he so rarely voices an opinion and especially not on purses, you know, he just doesn't care. <laughs> and so for him to say, yeah, that's kind of fun. I thought, okay, I'm, I'm buying it. Whether or not, <laughs> you know, it's one of those things. I, it, I did test it out and, and I thought it would work really well. And the strap is again adjustable, so I can either do it crossbody or or carry it as a regular purse, and it's um, got some fun beadwork and stuff on it. So it's a, it's a fun bag. The only problem is my my phone doesn't actually fit in the pocket that's made for the phone, which is a very common problem because I have the the iPhone six plus, which is the really big one, and most cell phone pockets in purses are made for older phones. Um, not like even older iPhones, the ones that weren't that big. And most other phones, there's, you know, the, the iPhone, the 6 Plus is getting big enough that it's just a step down from the mini tablet. Um, I really like it because I do so much email. Essentially, it's much better for email. Again, getting old. Um, so I do, I like having the bigger uh, phone, but it does mean, yeah, the, the cell phone pockets often do not actually work. Um, so I can still use this purse. I just have to keep the phone inside, which means it's a little bit harder for a reach and grab if I'm just trying to do something fast. Uh, so yeah, I might still end up making myself a purse and keeping this one just for kind of fun going out kind of thing. Um, so that was kind of my, my funny moment with <laughs> purses. I mean, again, for my husband to actually comment on a purse is really random. So <laughs> You know, when that happens, you tend to be like, okay, fine, I'll buy it. Um, so I did take that cosmetics bag, the Annie Unrhyne cosmetics bag that I just finished and I'd posted in a blog right before we left. Um, it is definitely too big for most of the travel I do. Any airplane travel, it'll be too big. It just takes up too much space. Um, it was nice. It has nice pockets. It has the right kinds of pockets. And so it was nice for me to take on this trip. We were just driving, so it didn't bug me that it was that big. Um, like I think I had mentioned either in the blog post or when I was talking about this on my last episode that Pam of Hip to Be a Square had made the same bag and had commented that you, you it was difficult to take it for travel because when you're in hotel bathrooms, your toiletry bag generally has a clip on it so that you can hang it on a hook in the bathroom and it just hangs. You don't have to unpack it. Well, this one, the hook's not actually big enough. And if Annie's listening to this podcast, <laughs> I know she doesn't. Um, if you are making that bag and if you have an option of just putting a bigger hook on it, that's all it really needs is just a bigger hook. And I don't know enough about purse hardware, bag hardware to know if you can get a hook with the same size base, but it has a larger hook part on it. 
um, that would be an adjustment I would suggest for anybody who's making this in the future. Just look at that hook that you use on this bag and see if you can't get one that's bigger um, so that then you can hang it because you can't. So like Pam had said, when she traveled with hers, I had to do the same thing. I had to unpack the whole stupid bag. Now in the one in the one hotel, we had enough counter space in the bathroom. I didn't have to unpack it. I just left the bag next to the, the sink. In the other one, there wasn't quite as much space. And if I had left my bag sitting next to the sink, you would have been splashing water all over it every time you were in the sink. So I had to unpack it and then just, you know, put it on the shelf underneath the sink. Um, so that was kind of a pain. It is a nice bag. It does have, again, nicely sized pockets, etc. And And having the shoulder strap is helpful. Um, what I ended up deciding when I got home, and I think I mentioned this in a more recent blog post, is I actually think I'm going to be using it for my um, embroidery block in the month. It wouldn't be able to keep the whole project in there as I get more months built up, but it would certainly be able to keep a couple of blocks at a time. Um, the only thing I haven't done yet because I haven't started putting together that block of the month is, and I'll maybe talk more about this later, but I, I don't know for sure how big those blocks are yet. Um, I think it would be big enough to fit in that. So I'm not sorry I made the bag. It's still going to be a very useful bag. It's just not going to be a travel cosmetics bag for me. Um, the other thing I did, I started trying to make this before I left and ended up, you know, because I really only had like two hours before we were supposed to head out the door when I started this. And although you would normally say, oh, that's plenty of time, when you're trying to sew under a really stringent deadline like that, you just start getting stupid. Or at least, let me speak for myself, I start getting stupid. You may be perfectly able to just breeze through that. Um, but it did have a couple of things in there that I'd not done all that often. It had buttonholes, for example, and I think I said in Twitter that I'd never done a buttonhole before. That's actually not true. I realized I had done one, um, actually I'd done six, on one project a couple of years ago. That was the last time I'd ever done a buttonhole. And so I even, I had to get out the manual and try to remember how to set up my machine and how to use that special buttonhole foot and everything. And I just couldn't think it through well enough, you know, like I said, trying to get this done in that tight a deadline. Um, so I ended up not getting it done before I left. However, as soon as I got home, I was able to finish it, I think even that first weekend. And... Um, it, it works really well. This is, did I even say what this was? It was a jewelry roll. Did I say that <laughs> when I started talking? I'm sorry. Um, I've been using a fabric jewelry roll for several years now that I had bought from um, an Etsy shop that I really, really liked. And when I first started using it, it was fantastic. However, my jewelry style has changed over the years. And now I'm wearing a lot heavier, um, kind of clunkier type jewelry. And it just does not want to stay in that jewelry roll. What what happens is because that jewelry roll, um, it had ribbon loops that you clip all your jewelry to, and then you roll it up. And the, the act of rolling it is supposed to keep everything in place, which it does if you have lighter weight necklaces. My big ones kept trying to escape out the bottom. So I would roll it all up, and then I'd pick it up, and I'd have necklaces flying off the sides. It did have a couple of zipper pockets, so my nicer jewelry I would, you know, put down in the zipper pockets, partly to keep it more concealed, but also just to keep it from getting damaged if it went flying at the ends of the jewelry roll. But in any case, this started bothering me enough that I started trying to figure out, could I um, deconstruct the jewelry roll I already owned and add some sort of pocket to it to keep that jewelry in place? And then I thought, no, I've got, you know, fabric in my stash. I wouldn't mind using it up. Um, let me see if I can find a pattern for the jewelry roll. And I did find one. And I think, again, I, I posted this on the blog. So there's a link um, on a past blog post for the actual pattern I used. I think it was called Mod Kid Designs. I bought it off of Craftsy. I think she also has an Etsy shop. Um, it's a little bit of a smaller jewelry roll than my other one was but that's okay. I don't usually travel with a ton of necklaces. Sometimes if I'm going on vacation, I tend to bring more jewelry than if I'm going away for a work trip. Um, but this one has pockets. So you, you clip your jewelry, uh, the necklaces around a strap that goes across the top. That's where the buttonholes come in because those straps button down. But then each there's pockets that they slide down into so that when you roll them, everything is contained which is really nice. Um, plus it's got a zipper pocket on there as well. So I, I do like this jewelry roll. 
There were a couple things that were a little tricky about working on it that I would probably do a little bit differently next time. The pattern itself was very clear, um, pretty easy to follow. The only place I had problems was, again, a type of zipper I had never done before. This one is is more of a concealed zipper, I think. Or no, it's a zipper pocket. I don't remember what it was that made it different from other zippers I had done. Um, so it was just a matter of I had to read through that set of instructions two or three times to make sure I wasn't sewing something on backwards. But <laughs> it went well. Um, and like I said, I'd already posted links to that particular pattern in my blog probably just a couple of posts ago because I haven't been blogging that frequently. More about that later. Um, so somewhere you'll find the link to the pattern for that jewelry roll. And it is, it did, well, my first time through, given that it had things in there I'd never done before, it probably took me about three hours all in to do it. If I were to do it again, I could probably, now that I've done it once and I'm more familiar with a couple of things, it would only maybe take me an hour, hour and a half. And um, if you are a garment sewer and have done all of this kind of stuff before, you'd probably be able to do it in no time. So it was, uh, somebody posted a comment on the blog, which I'll probably be getting to later, that it, um, they were thinking it might make a good gift and I would definitely say it would. Uh, it was that easy to do and it didn't take that much fabric. So um, I do recommend that pattern. And again, the link is already on my blog. Um, I did have to take a, a fairly long break from doing embroidery. Uh, the first was because I had really severe shoulder pain for several weeks. Um, I think it was a combination of sitting wrong. I try to make sure I sit right at my computer, but when I get really deeply engrossed in certain types of, types of projects, primarily if I'm doing stuff on our website or if I'm photo editing stuff where I'm doing a lot of mouse work, I tend to lean and I tend to lean forward to peer closer at the computer. And that doesn't mean, it, that's not because I can't see it. I'm just getting that intensely detail-oriented <laughs> in the work I'm doing. So I sit wrong. And again, I generally, I'm pretty good about catching myself when I'm doing it. But I had a couple of days there where I was just really trying to get some stuff out. And this was before I was, um, well, I had just started getting up and walking around. Um, I think this might have been the day before I started doing that just by happenstance. I actually woke up, well, it, it started hurting that night when I went to bed and I woke up the next morning. I couldn't lift my arm and I couldn't sit at my computer. I ended up having to take a day off from work because every time I went to move my arm to pick up my mouse, I would just get these sharp shooting pains through my shoulder. So I was icing, I was taking Advil on a very regular basis. Um, and like I said, just stayed off the computer, just tried to rest it. By the next day, it was doing a lot better, but it was very sore for several weeks. And I just had to make sure I was moving it around and stretching it and not overstraining it. The The second thing that played into this, I think, was because I did start walking um, five minutes every hour. I was, uh, I have what's called a chuck it, C-H-U-C-K hyphen I-T, chuck it. And it's, that's just a big plastic, essentially a lever that you can use to pick up your dog's ball and throw it. And it gives you better leverage for throwing. What I mostly like it is then I don't have to touch the stupid slobbery ball. I can just pick it up with this thing and toss it in my hand. It never comes in contact with that nasty tennis ball. Um, and so as I'm walking around the backyard, I'm playing with the doofus, what I call round robin, and he brings me the ball to wherever I am in the yard, and I use my chucket to pick it up, and I do short tosses. So he's really only running, you know, probably 50 feet or so, because I'm we have a big backyard, but I'm tossing it within the circle. Um, and it just, you know, it's nice, because he never quite knows what direction it's actually going to go in, because I'm throwing it from various places around the circle. So it keeps him much more mentally engaged than our old game where I would just stand in one place and just throw it as far as I could all the way. I used to sand like partway down our driveway and throw it all the way up into the backyard so he'd get a really long run. Um, so it's a different type of fetch with him. But I think that exacerbated my shoulder because now I'm throwing, I'm kind of doing the sidearm pitch and I was doing a lot of it. And like I said, five minutes every hour, several times during the day from nothing. <laughs> So I think between those two things, I just really screwed up my shoulder. And the position I sit in to do embroidery, it was painful. I just couldn't do it. So I took several weeks off from embroidery. And then even when my shoulder started feeling fine again, 
I found I wasn't getting back to it, and I realized it was because I had really overcomplicated things for myself. I love doing that crazy quilt. I'm going to keep working at it, but when I am trying to recover from school and recover from a very stressful period at work, I don't want something that I have to keep making so darn many decisions about. Every time I sit down, I'm deciding what design do I want to do? What thread do I want to do? Where am I going to put the beads? How is this going to incorporate with everything else? I mean, I'm, which is a wonderfully creative process when I'm in the mind place for it. But clearly right now I, I was doing some serious avoidance. I didn't want to do that embroidery. And so I started doing this other embroidery, which I've now, um, I think I posted a blog post about it. And then I also posted to Flickr today because I have one of them done. It's somebody else's design, first of all. It's a pattern I could just trace on the muslin and start stitching. And they're very, very simple stitches. And they're very small projects, so they get done fast. And I found once I started working on that, I was like, oh, that's right. I do really love doing embroidery. <laughs> it was making all the decisions I didn't want to do. So... I had lunch with my BFF BQF Katie today and um, I was talking about this and I said, you know, I kept feeling like uh, I was reading Art Quilt magazine. I was walking in the basement seeing my dye studio and I kept feeling this kind of guilt around why don't I want to do this stuff anymore? Why don't I want to do the art quilting? Why don't I want to do the, the fancy beadwork embroidery that I'd been doing? Why don't I want to be in my dye studio? And I realized because I don't want to make any decisions right now. <laughs> I'm kind of done making decisions for a while. And it'll come back and I can stop feeling like, wow, I've wasted all this money on all the dye stuff in my basement. No, it'll still be there. It's just waiting for me to be back in the mindset I need to be in. And it'll come back. I know it will. Um, maybe not until 2018 <laughs> after I've graduated, but it'll come back. So for now, I'm doing myself the favor of just letting myself do other people's embroidery designs. Um, I do have stuff so I can create my own when I want to, but for now, I'm just going to happily trace other people's designs and do the stem stitch for hours because it's relaxing. So anyway, the, I am back to doing the embroidery. I've done, um, like I said, I've posted this on my blog. I have two identical Christmas ornament pieces. I've got one done. Um, completely done, stuffed, stitched together. It's got its little twine hanger on it. The other one, um, I've started the embroidery on it, so I probably only have maybe another two hours of work on it all in. Um, I'm not the fastest embroiderer in the world, and part of that, though, on this particular project is because I'm using really tiny little stitches. Tiny, tiny. This is the tiniest stem stitch I've ever done. Um, so it doesn't go fast, but that's okay. I'm not trying to produce on a schedule right now. I'm just doing this for the Zen. Um, I also blogged about the fact that I did get my first two months of the next embroidery project I've got, which is again, tracing somebody else's designs, which feels so relaxing. Um, it's Lynette Anderson's Spooky Delights block of the month. And I realized actually the two Christmas ornaments I'm doing are also a Lynette and Anderson um, they came originally, I think, from a block of the month pattern, I think. But she also sells them individually as, you know, ornament designs. Um, so I'm apparently in a Lynette Anderson period right now. <laughs> um, and so this one is, I've got the first two months. It's only, I think, five months of blocks all in. And then the sixth month, you just I think maybe put stuff together. I don't remember. It's it's short because it's Halloween. So you have it done by October. Um, so for the first two months, I have to do five bat blocks. Uh, that's blocks with bats embroidered on them. And those are just sort of like set in throughout the whole finished thing. They're just sort of design elements within the finished block. So I don't think the bats will take me that long to do. And then the first official block is a cat. All of the blocks, the official blocks all have cats in them. And I can't remember now which is block one and block two. One of them is a cat with a spider. The other one is a cat hanging upside down from the word Halloween. And that one I think will go faster. I might do that one first. I think that's actually month two. I might do that one first though because the one with the spider, there's a lot of satin stitch in there. And I've practiced satin stitch a few times. Um, 
I do better at it with a really thick, like when I do it on my cruel work, I can do it pretty well because that's a really thick yarn thread that you're using. I'm, I've not been as even with it on a smaller one. It's just a matter of practice. So um, I may want to work my way up to that spider because I think he's all satin stitch. So uh, that's what I've got going on for that. And like I said, I'm, I'm using my cosmetics bag. Um, right now I've just got, because they send you all the threads you need and everything, so I've got it all in that cosmetics bag. It's just a matter of once I get to the point of putting together that first block to do the stitching on it to see whether that will fit, whether it needs a bigger hoop than what I can fit in that cosmetics bag. But that's a small problem. I'll deal with that later. Um, what this is giving me a chance to do is I borrowed my BFF BQF Kate's light box. I'm pretty sure I talked about this in a previous episode. I know I've either mentioned on the blog or I've talked about it on Twitter because I know there are people who know I'm looking for this. Um, last summer when BFF BQF Kate and BFF BQF Lori and I all went to the AQS show in Syracuse, um, Kate bought the light box by the company Daylight, and it's one of these wafer-thin light boxes with a dimmer switch that you just sort of swipe your finger up and down and you can lighten it or darken it. Um, she's got the larger size, the 11 by 17, and I probably should have just bought it. Unfortunately, we didn't get to that booth to very late um, in our shopping time, and I had already bought because they had a ton of embellishments vendors and so I really essentially spent my entire budget on embellishments so I didn't feel I could buy any more and at that point I was still new enough to embroidery that I thought you know let me not spend money on a big piece like this until I know if this embroidery thing's really going to stick well haven't I been thinking about and coveting that light box ever since she bought the stupid thing and so she has offered several times over the year you know you can borrow my light box you can borrow my light box and so I finally said okay now that I've got this block of the month and I have several things I need to trace why don't I borrow the light box? And so it's sitting here in my office now. I haven't had a chance to use it yet um, because I needed to get something else done. But what I'm most looking forward to is tracing something without having my arms over my head. <laughs> I've always used my window. And I get nice light in my window um, for, you know, three to four months out of the year. <laughs> anyway, it gets a little dark round about November when the sun starts going down at 4.30. Uh, so I have to make sure I trace everything, you know, on the weekends so that I have time to do anyway. Um, all of these are good reasons why I should have a tracing light box. Um, and I know I can buy them online and I know I can buy them at the art supply store, but I'm kind of holding out until I go to Syracuse again this summer because I think she got a really good deal on that. I don't remember exactly what she paid for it. She doesn't remember what she paid for it, but I do remember at the time thinking, wow, that's not nearly as expensive as I thought it would be. And when I've looked online and priced it out in other places, even Mass Drop just had one. It was a different brand, I think. I don't think it was Daylight, but it was the same basic idea. Um, but it was still more than what I think she paid. Now, I may be completely wrong, and I might get to Syracuse, and I might say, well, dang it, I could have owned this thing six months ago cheaper. <laughs> so we'll see. Anyway, what borrowing hers does is gives me the chance to, to try it out and say, is this really what I want? Um, I think it will be. But anyway, it's nice for me to be able to use hers uh, so that I'm not rushing out and buying one right now. So I will keep you posted on the light box thing as I use hers and borrow hers. What else am I working on? Um, I did start the Catch-All Caddy, which is another Annie Unrhyme pattern. Uh, this is actually one of the two projects that she does in her craftsy class on organizers. I can't remember the name of the class. I don't actually own that class. Can you even begin to imagine a craftsy class I don't own? Um, I did not buy that class because the other project in the class I'm not at all interested in doing. It's They're like nesting round, I was going to say round boxes. That seems like it doesn't actually work. Round containers um, that nest like three sizes. <clears throat> Excuse me. But this project is the second project in the class. So I just went into her website and I bought the pattern and I did buy the finishing kit. Um, the finishing kit does not include fabric. So you still use your own fabric even if you buy the finishing kit. The finishing kit, kit includes the interfacing, the soft and stable, uh, some webbing, I think. 
Does this one include webbing? I don't remember because I've got like three Annie projects lined up on my cutting table right now. And she often uses webbing. I think this does have webbing in it somewhere. Um, I can't remember. Don't quote me on that one. Uh, it does have, anyway, basically has everything. It has the hardware. It has interfacing that you use. Um, so it has everything you need except the fabric, basically. And so I'm using some stash fabric. Again, some fabric I've had for years. Some of this is really old fabric. I've had it for a very long time. So I'm glad to be able to, again, use stuff I already own. I haven't actually had to buy fabric other than borders and backings for larger projects in a while because um, I'm just working off my stash. That's one of the nice things about doing the accessories, the smaller projects, because you can use quilters cuts of fabric pretty easily. Um, so I started that, I think I officially started it last weekend. This weekend I finished all the cutting and now I'm working on building the components. Um, one of the things I do appreciate her about her patterns, and I hadn't really thought about this too much until I'd used a couple of other patterns, is she has you get all of the component building out of the way first so that when you're actually starting to make put everything together you don't have to stop and you know okay now make this handle and then put it on you've got everything made so by the time you get to the point of actually putting it together it feels like it goes lickety split because you've done all this prep work now the prep work takes forever but <laughs> once you've got it done it's it's good and with this particular catch-all caddy i don't there's nothing in there i haven't met before first of all in her other projects um and the one thing that's always my Waterloo, putting on the binding. First of all, I've heard a couple of tips about how to do it better. Um, so I'm, I'm more prepared, I think, for trying some of these tips. And secondly, this one's not as complicated as some of the other ones I've had to bind. Um, the tip that I heard, one of my Quilt Guild friends is doing um, one of the, uh, well, not a very local quilt shop. It's actually about 45 minutes away, is doing... A program that Annie Unrine offers to local quilt shops where they put they do a monthly Annie project and you um, I don't know whether different quilt shops do it differently but you basically the quilt shop you buy the kit and you have a class that you can then work through and they give you tips and so one of my um, friends from Quilt Guild is doing that pro that process and when I was showing the cosmetics bag at my guild um, meeting last month and talked about the binding, she said one of the teachers of the class, they were all commenting on how perfect her binding was on her project and what was her secret. And she said she glues the thing down before she even takes her first stitch. So she glues it down on the front to make sure it's all going to lay flat and then she stitches it on and then she flips it over to the, the second side and glues it down again <laughs> and then stitches it. Um, so I bought me some fabric glue and I'm going to try that this time to see if it goes a little bit more smoothly. Uh, so again, I'll keep you posted on that. Um, so I've got everything, like I said, I'm starting to build the components. I've got the quilting done that I needed to get done. You quilt some pieces together and then you cut smaller pieces out of those quilted pieces. I've got all that done. I think I've got the handles done. I've got the zipper pull done, which is very, you know, that's a key element. So I'm starting to get into the actual building. I think my next step is doing the inside pockets that I have to do. Um, and so I decided to take a break from what I had been working on to post this podcast. And when I'm, when this is uploading, I'm going to be back to working on that caddy again, because I'd really like to get that done. Um, once I get that done, I think... I've got another couple of smaller projects I'd like to do, but I really, really, really want to get her travel bag done. And that one I do have the Craftsy class for. I really want to have that done before my July trip because I would love to be able to take it with me if it if it works. If everything about it is what I need it to be, I want to be able to take it on that trip. So I think I will probably go ahead and start that one next just to make sure I get that done. Um... What else? Oh, and so the other thing I did finally get done today, and BFF BQF uh, Lori will be very glad because she was giving me no end of crud last weekend <laughs> about the fact that I hadn't done this yet, is um, I did finally get the binding put on the Jacob's Ladder. Not fully yet. I have it sewn onto the front, and now I've just got to do the hand stitching on the back. And that part of what I had been waffling about was am I going to do it 
traditional, you know, sewing it on the front, hand stitching it on the back, or am I going to do it all by machine? And there was something very appealing about doing it all by machine because then it would just be done. Um, on the other hand, I have done maybe four or five quilts I've bound by machine at this point, and I have gotten pretty good at it. It's still a little tricky on the corners, but I have gotten pretty good at it, but I'm still not confident in it. Whereas I have done so stinking many traditional bindings. Um, I think I've talked about, well, if you're a new listener and you haven't gone back in time, you probably haven't heard me talk about this, but I know I talked about it early on. Um, when my mom passed away, she had several, as many of us quilters do, UFOs, <laughs> go figure. And a lot of them were at the point where they just needed the binding put on because she had um, taken a lot to machine quilters. She had neuropathy in her feet and in her fingertips. And so although she had been a lifelong hand quilter, um, she had gotten to a point where she couldn't hand quilt anymore. And she was also having problems machine quilting. Um, she was trying to learn it, but she had problems. You don't realize how much you really need to feel things with your fingertips until you can't do it. She could still piece and everything fine, um, but the quilting was a little bit problematic for her because she just couldn't feel her fingertips. So she had taken to sending stuff out to machine quilters. Um, long arm quilters and then they would sit because she'd be working on something else and didn't feel like sitting and putting the binding on um, plus she ended up in her last couple of years because of the neuropathy in her feet she had problems getting up and down stairs and her sewing stuff was in the basement and so every now and then we would get some of the stuff hauled upstairs but then something would happen and it would all get moved back down to the basement and she wouldn't have access to it again so you know it was just she had a lot of ufos that she physically could not actually finish so after she passed away i had to assess all of her ufos and there were a lot and decide which ones was i going to actually take responsibility for versus which ones was i not going to and and so i think i did a whole podcast episode or a blog post or something about how i made those decisions long story short i probably bound 10 to 12 quilts in about a six month period large and these were large quilts um, and I did them that was before I was doing them by machine so I was doing them where you sewed on on the front and hand sewed it on the back so th that was sort of like boot camp binding boot camp I got really good at it um, and still you know I haven't lost those skills even though I'm not doing as many bindings these days so I decided when I was trying to think through on this Jacob's Ladder how I was going to do it I finally decided stick with what you know with what you're comfortable with because I really this is a gift and I really want it to look nice so I just decided today I was going to do it traditional and I'd also been kind of waffling about the label was I going to try to do a nice label something fancy and I decided again keep it simple because you need to get it done and so I just did my usual um, I take a square fold it in half press it uh, so it's it, fold it in half wrong sides together in a triangle so I fold it in half diagonally and then I put it in one corner of the quilt so that it gets sewn into as I'm doing the binding on that corner and then I just hand stitch that free long diagonal down um, it's a very fast way to put a binding or a label in there you could easily do it and embroider you know you could have a very nice label just done on the diagonal like that and sew it in um, and I had thought about embroidering the label I had thought about doing it because I can do some machine embroidery not not it's not an embroidery machine really but I can do embroidered letters um, on my machine I'd thought about that I'd thought about hand embroidering it I had thought about printing it off on my printer or, you know doing something very fancy nice wording I ultimately ended up just writing on it with a sharpie <laughs> just which is what I normally do and I just put who it was to the year and from me with love that I kept it very simple again just to get the puppy done and I know ultimately to them um, to the people for whom this is a gift they're not going to care whether it's a nice label or not that's not going to be they're not even going to see the label you know if they do use this on this, their bed the label's going to be up uh, on the bottom anyway so I decided not to stress that kind of detail um, so I did get the whole binding on the front and the label on and everything today so now I'm going to be able to just spend you know so much for getting any embroidery done <laughs> now I'm going to be um, hand stitching it on the back and it's a big puppy so it's going to take a while um, but our house gets strangely cold at night 
<laughs> so even when it's 95 degrees during the day, um, it, it, it's very well sealed, very well insulated. So when we're running the air conditioning during the day, we actually have to turn it off at a certain time because it gets like refrigerator levels <laughs> in the house. And so we turn it off for a couple hours at night and then we turn it back on so that we can sleep. Um, so I don't mind sitting under a quilt <laughs> in the middle of summer in our house because it's a little nippy sometimes. Um, so I'm hoping that I can get that all stitched down by the end of next weekend. Um, I don't know when I'm actually going to see the recipients, but I will be able to have it delivered to them so at least they can have it. Um, I'm trying to decide if I actually feel a need to be there when they, uh, well, let me put it this way. I don't necessarily feel a need to be there when they open it. They may prefer me to be there because it makes it feel like a bigger deal. I don't know. We'll see. They don't even know it's coming. So um, I won't say any more about that. Nobody concerned listens to this podcast, so I'm not worried about that. Um, but that's, again, why I haven't been able to post on my blog about this, because that does go to Facebook, and people do follow me on Facebook. Um, oh, and by the way, just another shout-out, because I've been catching up on um, Francis of Off-Kilter Quilts episodes. I'm still behind on everybody's podcast, sorry. Um, but I am catching up slowly but surely. And listening to Francis again talking about putting on bindings, and I will just one more time put out a shout out for anybody who does have problems with bindings, the Fonz and Porter binding tool. That's what I use. That's what I've used for years. I actually bought it when I was in the midst of doing all those bindings on my mom's quilts because, and I believe this is what Francis talks about, it is really easy um, there's two or three different ways you can put the tails of the binding together. Some of them are quite easy and straightforward, but they leave lumps that then you have to work around when you're stitching. Um, and some of them can leave kind of visible joins. There's no way to do a totally invisible join, but whenever you join two pieces of fabric on the diagonal, it is automatically less visible. It doesn't matter what the prints are, it's automatically less visible. And so that's why when you join your strips together to make the binding, you do them on the diagonal. So when you're joining the two ends together at the end, it makes sense to also do it on the diagonal. Um, and that's what the Fonz and Porter binding tool really helps you do because it is really easy to accidentally reverse one of those pieces of fabric and end up with it twisted when you try to sew it together. The problem I had more often was not so much that, it was trying to figure out the measurements so that I wouldn't end up with it either too short or too long when I got to sewing it all together. Um, and that's the thing that primarily that the binding tool completely takes that away. I've never had that problem. They've always fit completely perfectly once I started using that tool. Now, I will also say part of the reason I do it, um, I've never had a problem since I started using that pool. That tool is I still sit and read the stinking directions every single time and double check them just to make sure I'm getting it right. Um, but once I do, I mean, I probably do have it memorized by now. I just don't trust myself <laughs> to have it memorized by now. Um, so that's the other thing is, you know, you always keep the instructions for every specialty ruler you have because they're kind of helpful. Um, so it does feel good to finally get that. And I, I said that my friend Lori was giving me no end of crud. What happened was last week, my guild had sew days. Every month, most months, they have sew days. And it's a Friday and a Saturday um, where, you can, you know, people can just go and set up all day and sew. And I think I've only made it maybe three times over the entire time I've been part of this guild. And that's one, Fridays I'm usually working and I don't want to take a vacation day for a sew day. Um, I did do a Friday, I did do one full weekend once where I went down both on a Friday and a Saturday because I had a comp day. Mm -hmm. I had just traveled out of town, I had a comp day, so I took the comp day and did sew days and I basically had a little mini retreat that way and that was kind of fun. Um, the reason I often don't go down on Saturdays is because I don't want to lug all of my stuff just for one day. I don't mind lugging all my stuff for a retreat or like I said, for that one where I was doing it two days because then I could bring it down and set it up and leave it down overnight. I don't want to lug all that for one day. Um, so the couple other times I've gone down just on Saturday, I've just brought, like if I had a lot of cutting to do, I would just bring and do all the cutting so that I wasn't bringing my whole machine and everything. This time, um, I hadn't really thought I was going to go to sew days, but Guild was the week, be that, that same week, just earlier in the week. And 
couple of my friends were talking about going and they all turned to me and said, oh, Sandy, you've got to come. And, you know, when people actually want you somewhere, <laughs> it kind of makes you feel good and kind of like, well, okay, I'll try. So I decided, um, I knew I wasn't going to be able to do Friday. So I said, well, let me see how my Saturday shapes up and I will try to get down there. So I ended up just, I was only down there for about an hour and a half, but it was fun, you know, and all I did was I brought my embroidery. That's when I started the Christmas ornament because it was something small. It got me started on it. It gave me the impetus because I, I had to do some prep work before I got down there to do the embroidery. Um, all I did when I got there was just sit and do the embroidery. And, and I think now that I'm doing the embroidery, I think that will be probably what I do in the future, that if I am free on the Saturday of the sew day, um, just to bring some embroidery and go down, even if it's just for an hour or a couple of hours, because it was just a lot of fun um, to hang out. And it, there was actually a lot of people there at that sew day. The, the ones I'd been to before, you know, we averaged five to eight people. This one, there were like 12 or 15 people there. It was big. Um, so anyway, that was fun. But then... While I was there, I was chatting with um, Lori and with the people at the table and talking about all the stuff I had gotten done and the, the Annie Unrhyme projects and doing the embroidery. And she said, well, how's that Jacob's Ladder quilt coming? <laughs> and I kind of looked at her and she goes, why haven't you put the binding on that? All you had to do was put the binding on. I said, I am being so productive when I'm trying to avoid putting the binding on that thing. And really, you know, again, I've done a ton of bindings. I'm not scared of bindings. I actually enjoy putting bindings on. It was because this darn quilt was so big that I just didn't want to have to wrestle it through my machine. I hate working on big quilts. I've talked about that before. I just hate it. It's not enjoyable for me. And I just, I kept putting it off and putting it off. And so I knew I was, um, I worked all day yesterday on the catch-all caddy, or at least what time I had in my sewing room. I worked on the caddy and I kept looking at that quilt saying, I've just got to get the stupid binding on it. I really should do it. So I went and I had lunch today with um, Katie and I was talking about it and I said, I really should just do it. And she wasn't giving me crud about not doing it. But as I was talking with her, I was like, I've just got to, I've just got to do it. I've got to go home and not get involved in anything else. I've just got to sit down and do it. <laughs> and I did. And it's done. So that felt good. Um, so now that I've got the binding on that, like I said, I'll be working on that at night in front of the TV. So my actual sewing room time will be the Annie Unrhyme projects. Um, and I've got, well, I'm working on the catch-all caddy. I've already talked about the travel bag that I've got the class for. I have stacked on the side of my cutting table all the fabric and fixins for a train case. That's another pattern of hers. What's that one? I've got another stack of fabric and such for a different project. I've got like three other small accessory type projects stacked on the side of my cutting table um, with the intention that I will get to them. And all of these, I really want to get done before I go back to school, which is beginning of August, because as we know, I don't get a lot of sewing time once I'm back in school. So I really want to have some stuff I can look at and fondle and say, I did sew once. Um, so that's all I've got to talk about, which actually took up a lot of time. I'm really working on trying to post blog posts more often. What I'm trying to do is like much shorter but more frequent. So I'm hoping if I can start doing this, you will start seeing just like one picture and maybe a paragraph. And But you'll see them a couple times during the week. You'll be seeing stuff that's a lot more works in progress. Um, just because I do enjoy being in touch with people, I do enjoy being an online presence and getting people's comments and being able to comment back and having that kind of conversation. Um, and I've just not been doing it very well. And again, that's partly because I tend to write longer blog posts with a lot of pictures and it takes a while. And so when I don't have time, it doesn't get done. So I'm just trying to lessen and shorten and say, okay, I can't get that big stuff done, but I can get this little stuff done. So let me do more of that. Um, that's all the quilty sewing kind of stuff from a habits standpoint. It's been kind of a slack couple of weeks. Um, there are certain habits I'm still doing very well at. I'm still meditating at least once a day. I always meditate before I go to bed at night because it helps me transition to bedtime. Um, 
Sometimes I also will do it like right before I start work. It's a time to kind of focus and, and get my mind in geared for what I'm doing. I do want to say for those of you who would like to try to do, and this is, um, by the way, secular meditation. For those of us who are people of faith, it's easy to make that a faith time meditation. Uh, but there's an app I have been using quite regularly for the last couple months that I absolutely love, and it's called Calm, C-A-L-M. And there's a website, calm.com. <laughs> That sounds funny when I'm saying it. C-A-L-M dot C-O-M. And it's free and you get scenery and nature sounds and it's very peaceful. And often what I do during the day is I will have my work. I have two monitors um, and so I'll have work on one monitor and I'll have that going on the other monitor. And it just automatically kind of keeps me in a different frame of mind when I'm working on whatever I'm working on. Um, but it also has an app and the app has, uh, again, you can do it for free or you can pay. And I did finally decide I've been using this enough. I'm actually going to pay for it. And the, the premium, the paid version you have, there's extra features you get. But the free version, there's a lot of meditations, there's time meditations, but it all has these nature sounds in the background and you can choose from several. And that's what I love. Because when I do the other meditation app I'd been using, which is called Mindfulness, which is also very good, um, I'd use that for probably a year or so. Um, not regularly. I've only been regularly getting into it more recently. Um, but I had used it, you know, fairly frequently during that time. And it's really good. But the problem I have is the distraction level. If I don't have white noise or something going, and I know that's part of meditation is you're supposed to be practicing focus, but... I'm hearing the dogs bark downstairs suddenly, or I'm hearing my husband moving around in the kitchen, or I'm hearing, you know, just these random kind of, and it breaks my concentration. And so having the, the nature sounds in the background just helps me able to focus more. Um, so that's why I really like the Calm app now. I've been using that a lot more. The Mindfulness app does not have um, that sort of background to it. So that all depends on what your personal preference is. They're both good, and I would recommend both of them. Um, mindfulness, I believe now, I've, I've had it for a long time, so I can't remember exactly, but I think the basic is free, and then I think what you can buy are various meditations over, under different themes by different people. So that's where the purchases come in. Um, so those are both good. Stepwise, uh, partly because my daughter's car is in the shop and needs a boatload of repairs and they had to order parts. So she's been driving my car because she needs a car for her job. Um, so I've been at home and I've not been getting to the gym, which means my step count is down. But I did download some aqua aerobics uh, videos to my iPad and aqua um, yoga, both by a woman named Sue the Pool Guru. And the way she's got them set up is actually very good. Um, again, suepoolguru.com. Um, the way she's got them set up, they're really easy to learn. So she teaches like a pair of things and of exercises. And you just kind of learn the pair and you practice the pair. And then once you have that down, you go on and you move the, you learn the next pair. And ultimately what happens is you've got them all memorized. So you don't need the videos next to the pool anymore. And... Um, I'm about partway through the aqua aerobics one. I do have a pool in our backyard. I'm about partway through learning the moves in the aqua aerobics one so that I can now um, go out when I'm done with work for the day, go right out to the pool and get some exercise. It just means I'm not getting steps. Uh, so I've fallen down in the leaderboard a little bit. Um, I'm debating whether I'm going to do a Fitbit challenge this week because, again, my daughter still got my car for the first couple of days. And then I've got stuff going on later in the week. So I don't know quite what my capability is going to be of keeping up with a challenge. Although challenges are always good, just keep you mindful. Um, so that's kind of where I'm at with all of that. So let me look at uh, comments here. All right, I think I'm going to do this chronologically. And I know it's been a while, so I've got a fair number. So I'm not going to be able to respond to everybody's comment, unfortunately. But I do want to say thank you to everybody. Um, thank you to Pratima, who emailed me a gorgeous photo of a um, wedding present quilt that she was inspired to finish. Um, and I really appreciate it. And it is just gorgeous. Uh, Sandy, thank you so much. Who um, She 
commented on my blog post about a finish that's been a long time a coming where I talked about the webbing uh, that I used in the strap unraveling on the end, and she suggested using a match to singe the ends, which makes all sorts of sense, although there are times in the middle of a project when I would be tempted to then take the match to the rest of the project as well. Um, thank you to Judy for her comment about uh, on the same blog post, and she commented how much she missed me um, and shares my concerns about uh, the new Weight Watchers. Uh, thank you also to another Sandy who sent me a wonderful email on, and um, I don't think I've responded. Ooh, now I'm looking at this. I did not respond to this yet. I'm so sorry. Uh, she loves my new mic and commented on various other things about my um, podcast. So I'm going to set that email aside so that I can actually respond to you by email. I'm so sorry. I don't know how I lost that. Um, and... Thank you to Katie, who is a new listener who just started listening about a week ago, and this was early June, so now she's, you know, three weeks in, but hey, haven't given you a whole lot of material yet, so it's really good to hear from you. Thank you so much, and I'll look forward to um, more comments from you in the future. Thank you to Gay, who commented on pre-white weekend progress. Um, that she, she was inspired to also set up her Fitbit with movement reminders and is also trying to follow my example with cutting back um, and various other things. <laughs> Basically, Gay, I will just respond, you're welcome, you're welcome, you're welcome, and I think you're welcome again. Uh, thank you too much to Jackie who commented on pre-wake. Oh, I'm sorry, I went out of order because this was a new blog post. I just did this one a couple days ago. Jackie uh, commented on pre-weekend progress and said that I'm brave with all these bags and such, and she marvels at my tenacity. Um, I, You know, I just get stubborn about some things. I get, uh, I don't want certain things to win. <laughs> I want to beat them. <laughs> I don't get that way about everything. It's it's it happens at at odd times, and it sometimes takes me by surprise. I believe I've talked to you about the great scallop challenge I set myself that lasted about three years, and I don't mean quilt border scallops. I mean seafood scallops. I was determined to decide I actually liked them. God knows why. Anyway, I did sort of. I probably will never order them again once I said, yeah, okay, these are all right. Um, th <laughs> thank you to Jenny, who commented on Pretty Mail, a.k.a. like I really have time for this, which is another recent blog post. Um, and in that, I did ask whether uh, folks in Australia heard, had heard of Cosmo Thread. And the only reason I was asking about Australia was, first of all, it was Lynette um, Anderson's uh, embroidery thread of choice, and she is from Australia. And it's produced in Japan, and Japan's a lot closer to Australia than it is to us, so I wasn't sure whether Australia might carry Cosmo Thread more regularly. It is not one I've seen frequently here in the U.S. Um, Jenny commented, I'm in Australia. I've never heard of the Cosmo Thread here. She uses DMC and Anchor Floss, both of which I have heard of. And I think I've, I, I know I've used DMC. I think I've used some Anchor, too. Um, so, Jenny, now you get to also look for Cosmo. And uh, thank you to Janet on the same blog post, who said she just bought this pattern like 15 minutes ago, and Lynette Anderson is having a 25% off sale right now on her website. And again, this was this comment only came in um, yesterday, two days ago. So if you're into embroidery, you might want to run to Lynette Anderson's website. Again, I linked to it in the blog post that I put on the Pretty Mail, uh, which was Friday, I think it posted. Um, so you can look and see whether she's still got the sale. Um, Bunny Hill Designs is in Northern California, not Australia. Huh. Why did I think Australia? There's a reason why I thought Australia. I'll have to look. And Janet is convinced she still has more craftsy class than me, but is equally sure I've done more of them than she has. Not so sure. Um, mostly I've not gotten one done in a while. Um, thank you to Sharon, who posted on Just a Little Embroidery Fun, which was maybe a week ago that I posted that one. And she said, it was very cute. I love having a small project that I can travel with and work on, even if I only have a few minutes, which is, that's very true. And what I've found 
what I've been trying to do is like during my lunch break um, at work, I'm trying to sit down because I'll sit and watch a little TV while I'm eating lunch. And to sit and do a little bit of embroidery is just a nice break in the middle of the day. Um, thank you to Beverly, who also commented on the same blog post uh, that it was a cute design. Thank you to Jan, who is a friend of mine from Guild, um, who said it was good to see me at the sewing day. So thank you, Jan. And thank you to Jay, who said, glad you got a chance to hang out and get some sewing done. It will make you more productive on your other obligations. And you know, although that's true, I'm trying not to think of it that way. I'm trying not to think of everything in terms of how productive it makes me. I'm trying to think in terms of how much enjoyment I get out of it. And that's partly just because I have to think about productivity so much in so many ways. So it's nice to just have something that feels like, no, I don't have any obligation for this. I'm just going to enjoy the time. Thank you to Diane for her comment on finally a finish that's been a long time a coming, and that was on the cosmetics bag. Um, she said, first finished is fantastic, finally. <laughs> Love the alliteration. She goes, hey, I'm not judging since I just finished a 17-year UFO. So yes, we all have some that are around um, for a while. Thank you to Jackie, who posted on the same thing. And she says, I still say you show more courage than I would in an attempt to these. Um, yeah, I, I do have to pull myself up from my bootstraps and get mentally ready to tackle Annie on Ryan, but I will do it. Thank you to AJ, who said it looks great from here. AJ Dub, I'm sorry, that AJ. Um, and she said, I hope you will find it useful in some area of your life. That's a lot of work for a pretty dust catcher. And that's true. But I think I have found use for it now. Um, Thank you to D. She's trying to travel incognito, apparently, on the same blog post. She said, my husband said to me this weekend, I think you like to start projects, but you don't like to finish them. Can you believe the nerve? <laughs> Can you believe it has taken him three years to figure this out? <laughs> D, you're very funny. Congratulations on finishing the bag. I actually liked this one better than the everything in its place bag, as it seemed more like something that could be used. I made the everything in its place bag initially for a gift, but decided not to give it because it seemed to not to be very useful for a non-crafter. I kept it myself, though. It would be interesting for anybody who has made the everything in its place bag, um, Annie Unrine. And again, that was an older project of mine, so you have to go back in time a little bit. Although I think I linked that post on the more recent one where I did the cosmetics bag. Um, are there non-crafters that would use a bag like that? And for what? I mean, I suppose if you owned a lot of makeup, <laughs> you'd have to own a lot of makeup. But if you owned a lot of makeup, you could keep it in that. Um, I'm just curious. That that raises, it isn't a great bag for crafters. But for anybody else, would it be useful? Curious. Um, thank you to Mary Lou, who posted on the same thing and said, It's so fun to hear about yet another adventure in your colorful world of sewing. Colorful or chaotic? One or the other. I'm not sure. And um, she enjoyed my podcast. Thank you. Thank you to Marianne, who also posted on the same blog post and just uh, said, your bag looks great. Just remember the comment about seeing it from the back of a galloping horse. Oh, this was a funny, funny comment. Okay, let me start it again. Just remember the comment about seeing it from the back of a galloping horse. As an aside, how many of us gallop around on horses these days? Shouldn't this be updated to something like from the window of a minivan filled with children who are almost late for school? I think I need to start a new saying. And I want you to know you were a good influence on me today. I was doing some hand quilting, which I absolutely love to do. And you were talking about habits and the decision be already being made. So I followed and pretended that I made the decision to walk, followed that pre-made decision and made my Fitbit goal. Thank you. So thank you, Marianne. I have a sneaking suspicion I may have read that same comment on the last episode, and that just tells you how much I really enjoyed it. Uh, thank you to Jennifer commenting on the same blog post. Um, congrats on the finish. Bag making gets better the more you make, but even then there are some things that are never fun, like binding bags once they're all together and dealing with webbing. Glad you decided to finish it and hope you like it for something even in the end, even if it doesn't wind up as your go-to travel bag. So thank you for uh, Jennifer and for reminding me that I'm probably still going to hate putting the binding on the stupid catch-all caddy, but it must be done. And thank you to BFFBQF Lori, who also commented on that same blog post and said she really likes it. So thank you, everybody, for your comments. Um, I know this episode went a little bit long, and again, that's what happens when I leave it so long. 
I'm hoping I can do another episode next week. It's 4th of July weekend here in the U.S., which is, again, a long weekend for us. We are, I think, having people over for 4th of July, but not a lot of people and very casual, so it shouldn't take a whole lot of prep. Um, and since this time we had people over on Father's Day, that was, again, part of why I haven't posted in a while, because I've either been gone or had stuff going on every weekend. And when I lose my Sunday, it throws my whole weekend off and I don't get a podcast posted. Um, but we did have people over for Father's Day and that, that's why I didn't get anything posted then. We're having people over for 4th of July, I think, um, same people. But since that's on a Monday, that means I'll have more time over the weekend to get other stuff done. So I do hope to get a podcast episode out next week, and hopefully I will have stuff to talk about. Meanwhile, do remember my giveaway, and do remember, I think, what did I say, July 11th? Yes, July 11th deadline. Um, and what you're telling me is something you would love to do 200 times. So that is that for this episode. Let me tell you how you can get a hold of me. You can email me at sandyquilts at gmail.com, sandy with a Y, quilts with a Z. You can follow the blog. You can follow me on Twitter, Pinterest, um, Flickr, all of those places, Instagram, all of those places. I'm Sandy Quilts, Sandy with a Y, quilts with a Z. You can friend me on Goodreads. I don't know if I'm Sandy Quilts there. Don't really remember. Um, you can like the Quilting for the Rest of Us page on Facebook. You can join the Quilting for the Rest of Us uh, Flickr group. Please do love to see your pictures. And you can join the Quilting for the Rest of Us Kiva team and do good all over the world. And you will find links for almost all of those things at my website at www.quiltingfortherestofus.com. Until next time, go get your quilty on. Quilting for the Rest of Us is dedicated to Shirley. Love you, Mom.